Hello dear listeners, welcome to a new episode of Partido Partido Podcast where we talk everything a little. So joining me on today's podcast is Jordan Brown. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Well, um, I'm, feeling little, I'm feeling a little bit feverish this morning, I guess. Yeah, really looking forward to this one though. It should be a, a very interesting podcast previewing a very interesting game. Yeah, it should be because... Um, like I like we were discussing before the before the before recording, I just told you I, I did not know that uh, recently this clash has been termed El Super Duelo, so it was kind of nice given that uh, maybe the newspapers have kind of given a term to this game because it's true um, the rivalry between Aliti and Barca are not as the level as that of um, Real and Barca, but Aliti has kind of got into the stage where they can fight for the same trophies that Barca aim for. Like Aleti reaching two Champions League finals in three years and um, also winning La Liga at the Camp Nou and then you had uh, Barca fans clapping for Aleti and then Messi was pretty pissed at that. Then you also have the 2021 Aleti also won La Liga, La Liga and they beat Barcelona for the first time in La Liga since Diego Simeone took over. So I think we have, been, we have had clashes. Like for example, Aleti has knocked out Barca in the Champions League twice. And then you also have the Copa de Rey class who I think is still fresh from 2016 Atletico fans mind where the rest was basically sent off for what we don't know and then you have had the rivalry and then you have um, these rumors about refused mistakes which are kind of make things heated up and then I think it's a pretty fierce rivalry at the moment because looking at the league standings Atleti and Barca pretty much have the same point despite the fact that Atleti have a game in hand. Yeah, as you said, it's it, it's become an even bigger game, one of the top games in in the whole of um, La Liga for the last few years for all the points that for that you've mentioned for the fact that um, for the fact you've knocked them out in the Champions League, you win the La Liga title with uh, uh, the most famous header in your history from from Diego Godin, and as you said, that the Barca fans clapping you because you deserve to win the title that year. Everyone could could see that, and um, yeah, and La Liga giving it the name El, El Superduelo. I think it's just for the fact that you know La Liga are trying to grow across the world, and they've got names for the other real big derbies, whether it be the Seville derby, the Basque derby, the Clasico, obviously. So yeah, I think it, it, it can only be uh, a good thing, and it, and it also shows. Could you talk about how stronger the rivalry is? It's also another testament to how well Cholo has done in the fact that there is now a strong rivalry with um, with Barcelona. The, uh, the rivalry you have with Real Madrid is even stronger now because of the fact that he's made you so competitive and that, you know, you're going into this game on um, on a very even keel, if not for the fact that you guys are slightly better at the moment. Yeah, it's really good when I'm going to the game being like I would say the favorite, which is kind of strange given um Alitia Aliti under Cholo are kind of always the underdogs, but this time around things are, are really different. And like you said, um we have a kind of challenge for what they always challenge for and what they are always used to. I think the twenty first century. Barcelona are one of the teams, I think if not the highest team has won the league. So it kind of shows you how, like you said, Cholo has made us be. And then um, you talk about the famous header. I think all Atleti fans know about that, but I think some fans will be put it up for debate that um, 
Atleti's uh, famous header will basically be the Miranda's goal against Real the Benabao because going, I think, is it more than 20 years without beating them? And then um, they saying that they need another rival that we are not an equivalent rival for them. And then winning the Copa, they re planting a flag in their stadium. That must have been hurt. Well, but that's another discussion. That's a discussion for another day. So back to El Superduelo. So, um, Kelf, um, since we last recorded, um, that was um, after Atleti's defeat to Las Palmas, Atleti has gone on a four-winning streak and where we have seen some dominant performances and we have seen them grow towards, I don't know how we'll call it now, but I think Atleti fans have coined it um, Cholotaka, where you have a more possession-based side and then you even have um, sites like Statsbomb posting statistics about um, how Atleti has changed and you have many guys interested in writing about Atleti, not just for their OOP out of possession, but also for what Atleti have been doing in possession um, recently. So, um, curved, um, just a quick rundown for the games Atleti played since the Las Palmas defeat. Uh, you have a, signish, a 6-0 trashing of Celtic at home, and then you have um, 3-1 win against Villarreal. You have um, the 1-0 win against Mallorca, which Christmas scored the goal, and he's edging ever closer to the record of being um, the all-time goal scorer of Atleti. And then um, you have now the 3-1 win away in the Netherlands against Feyenoord, which kind of cemented our place in the round of 16, which is actually great because um, we have actually struggled in the Champions League recently. So, Kelf, um, what do you make of Aleti bouncing back immediately after a disappointing result and performance against Las Palmas? Well, it shows the, uh, the, the top side that you guys are for the fact that you have um, a night in that you didn't play, didn't play well. Las Palmas deservedly won and then you responded in the way that you guys have that you've mentioned. Really comfortable wins. Some of those games have not been the complete, maybe ninety-minute performances, particularly uh, maybe Villarreal and and Mallorca. But as you said, it's so critical after, particularly after what happened last year in the Champions League, for the fact for you guys to be definitely qualified for the next stage with, with only one game left at home to, to Lazio. It's just a, a big sense of, of relief and the fact that you've played very, very well in spells, particularly the second half against Villarreal. You guys were, were absolutely brilliant. and um, But then also you had the Mallorca game where maybe you guys weren't at your best, but you still found a way to win. You... You found a way to get that important goal. You kept a clean sheet again, which was really important. And it's it's a, it's a sign of where you are. It's a sign of the fact that you're, you're of what I said at the start of the season, where we did one, probably the first one at the start of the season, where I said that you guys will be competitive in La Liga. And I made the point that with the squad you had, that you had a chance of being competitive in, in the Champions League. And at the moment, both, both points uh, are are being true at the moment. We'll have to see how the season pans out. But but the response didn't surprise me because of the quality you've got, the way you've been playing, the, the Cholo Tucker, as, as you've mentioned, because you guys are playing very, very good football. Um, maybe maybe even a tad underappreciated by, by others, but uh, it's very good. You know, you're causing problems when you're attacking. I mean, your your your, your goal scoring stats are up there with Man City, who everyone regards as the best attacking team in in in, in Europe. So, you know, things are are improving, and uh, and as I said, as I said earlier, it's a testament to to Charlo. It's a testament to 
your squad that we're previewing a Barca Atleti game at Barca, and you guys are, are probably going in as favourites. Yeah, like you said, uh, we have actually been really, really good, and then it's always uh, difficult for some to kind of appreciate because uh, I think many still have this mentality that. Despite the fact that we are in 2023, Alex is basically still stuck in 2016, which was the case in 2018, 2019, but, that, but that's not the case anymore. So, um, coming from, like you said, um, Alexi have kind of um, found the balance they were looking for. Like we were discussing in the previous podcast about um, how things have changed tactically for Alexico, and you have the stats to back that up. Like, for example, um, Alexi has considered the second lowest amount of shots in the league, and then um, basically they have considered the least amount of XG. So if you want to take XG per shot considered, Aleti basically are considering 0.09 XG per shot. That means they consider a lot of low-quality chances. So it kind of shows you testament to the fact that despite the fact that we are the second-best scoring league, scoring team in the league with um, 31 goals, we are also very solid defensive. defensively. It's true that we have considered many more goals than we should have, but I think if you look at the online numbers, kind of back what um, we have been doing um, defensively. And um, Kelf, um, you mentioned the Villarreal game, and it was a game where Aliti kind of, I think that's the, the toughest, the first half of that game was basically the toughest half for Aliti in January, sorry, since the start of January, where Aliti kind of employed a man-marking scheme, and then we were kind of um, torn apart by the movement of Gerard Moreno, of Solod, his pace, his runs in behind, and that half was really, really tough. Because uh, if you look at the uh, underlying numbers um, for like pass per defensive action, that means the amount of passes allowed before a team can engage be the duel or tackle or engage. Now you have Alexis basically at the second lowest in the league, which shows that despite the fact that the team has kind of evolved in terms of bringing out the ball from the back, playing short passes, but um, the team is actually still kind of stuck in like a mid block. And it's a team that um, chooses his moment to kind of press. And if you look at, for example, the high turnovers, Alexis are seventh in the league, and then high turnovers, which have turned to goal, Alexis are first. Because they have scored four goals from high turnovers. So he, he kind of said that um, Aletia are a kind of team like we know throughout um, Cholo's era, a coach who kind of prioritizing um, making the middle very compact and then sending the attack wide and then use the touchman as an extra defender. And despite the fact that he has involved, it doesn't mean that he has gone away with that. And that is what we are seeing. So, Kelf, um, uh, Max, we are now discussing about the press because it was kind of really bad. And Villarreal should have maybe be three goals up by halftime, but thanks to a brilliant save from Oblak, which you can call um, a game-winning save. And now you also have a lot of things like Solo also being taken off, kind of reduce the amount of threat Villarreal have. So the reason we are talking about this is because um, Aleti play Barca and it's away from home. And away from home, Aleti actually don't press a lot, even though they do it at certain moments, they react to pressing triggers. So, um, Kev, what do you think uh, it will be, let's say, the best way for Alexi to continue the season with that high press or the mid block and then a react to pressing trigger like they did in the title winning season in 2020, 2020, 2021 season. Well, I mean, uh, Alexi will, uh, in terms of uh, how you how to play against Barca, um, the mid block might, might be better because Barcelona have, have been struggling to to play out and, 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 and to play the way that we all know that they that they want to. And maybe just, um, of course, it has to be with the right um, intensity. You know, you have to make sure that the right things are are done. But you've, you've got two 
when it agrees with and Murat to start, which I think we're all expecting them both to do, that you've got two hard workers at the top end of the pitch. Not only have you got Murata, who is very good at that in terms of knowing when to press, as you said, reacting to to pressing uh, triggers. Griezmann will work hard forever, so you don't need to worry about that. But the key battle is probably going to be how you how you press Barca in midfield. You know, will you go as you try to do against uh, Villarreal and kind of go man for man? But it didn't, as you said, it didn't quite work in that in that first half because uh, Villarreal were able to ex- with Gerard Moreno dropping in. You know, with 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 quick interchange of passing with with Parejo, who's uh, very very good at at those sort of passes between the lines. So, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, to see how Cholo uh, decides what to do. But in terms of how you guys will be defending, probably more probably more the mid block. Because as I said, Barca are a struggle. I think when when they when when the ball goes to the centre backs, there's there's been a lack of movement. So then you've had you had um when it's been Inigo Martinez on the left, he's he's having to maybe play longer switches of play, which is what what we normally see you guys do with uh, with uh, with Koke. So, um, but we'll we'll just have to to see uh, what. What Cholo will do, what Xavi will do, I think it'll be very fascinating to see how they both kind of press each other, how they because how they cope with, um, as I said, with that battle in midfield. Because I think the battle in, in, in midfield is going to be the real crucial one on Sunday. Yeah, Gulf, um, like you've rightly said, um, we'll see how um, Xavi sets up his team, and and like we will later on discuss in the podcast. Um, how um, beneficial recovering Frankie De Jong and Pedri for Barca are going to be. So, talking more about um, Aliti, um, we talked about um, the dilemma Aliti have on the right-hand side in the last podcast, where on that side you have um, Aliti's weakest ball players under pressure. You have Savage, Lorente, and um, Molina. It's true, um, Molina's um, passes have increased and also his success rate but he's very, very sloppy in position. And now I think um, we talked about the fact last season that um, Witzel is kind of past his prime, so he can't play in midfield. So the best place where he can play would be obviously in the defense, but in the central of the back three, because he does not have the legs again to cover grounds and the rest. But this season, with the return of Jimenez, we have kind of seen a different Witzel, where, in my opinion, he's been amongst one of the best in the league this season at covering the spaces and the channels and he did a fantastic job in that and now it's kind of surprising because when he was interviewed he talked about um, the fact that he has kind of last season was like a learning process learning how to play there you know, as, a, as a center back he did in Dortmund but he's now doing it frequently in reality and if it comes to having more minutes he's going to do it and then we saw him doing a very good job against um, Osasuna playing as a right center back and we know Osasuna is a team in La Liga where they are very well noted for their wing play. So Chula is kind of using Wittel ahead of Savage as the right centre-back to kind of solve the dilemma Aliti have with bringing out the ball from the back on the right-hand side. And in the game against Feyenoord, Feyenoord kind of used that to their advantage because when the ball is on the left, you have their normal high press and their man-marking. And then uh, when now Aliti kind of escape and switch play to the right, now you have a more aggressive press because they know Molina is not comfortable under pressure. Lorente is not comfortable under pressure. 
So um, now Cholo using retail there kind of increases the success rate, but it's not actually been good, especially with um, Barrios's um, injury because there are certain times where he starts ahead of Lorente and now you have two players in Barrios and retail who are actually good under pressure, not just in passing, but also in carries. So, Kelf, um, what's your take on retail, Cholo using retail and Barrios as a solution for Alitis? right-hand side dilemma in possession and also ahead of the Barcelona clash. Do you think Barrios will be missed? Uh, will Barrios be missed? Uh, yes, of course he will. Uh, he's He's been fantastic since, since he really came into the team after the World Cup uh, last season. He's been he's been brilliant, as you said. His, uh, his ability to carry the ball under, under pressure, his ability to to, to drive into space when it when it presents it the the opportunity to um to, to be to be quite good aggressive and understanding when to to press the opposition when the ball's been lost and Witzel's been been very very good either in the middle of the back three or as you said more recently and in, in that wider centre back role to to give help to whether, whether it would be Molina, Llorente, DePaul, if he's if he's over on on that right side as well. So it will be interesting to see actually who Cholo chooses as the outer centre back. It's probably one of the biggest headaches he has uh, for Sunday because the left side pick the, the left side picks itself. But in terms of that right side, well, Molina's fit and available. He will start, but the, the right central midfielder and the right centre back are probably the, the two big decisions that he that that he has because as, as you said you guys are, are, are a little bit weaker on that on that side on the ball on the ball you're a bit weaker in other aspects you're you're not you particularly if it's if it's Menina and Llorente you've got very good runners who will attack the space well which might be the way to play against Barca because Barca are very uh, offensive especially on their on their left side so that might be the best way to counter that but it's a shame that Barrios is going to be out for a while because he's been such an important player he's, he's a player I've, I've enjoyed watching for the best part of just over a year now and uh, yeah hopefully he'll be hopefully he'll be back soon because even though you have a lot of quality in central midfield Barrios is starting to become a regular starter yeah, Kev, um, like you've already said, um, Barros will miss and his injury is really, really a bad one and he will be out for six to eight weeks, eight, eight weeks, which is basically two months and above. So hopefully we wish him a speedy recovery and actually having a player like Barros in the first Barrios in the first team was actually very good for Aliti because uh, he's from the academy and he's been a while. I think before Barrios, having before having Barrios and Rico Mena, in the first team, the last academy player was basically, I think, Lucas Hernandez. So it's kind of good. And the academy, like, uh, like last season, achieved a lot. And Aliti are basically having one of the best moments in their history in terms of academy products and also developing players. And it's true that um, the B team is kind of buying players, which kind of neglects the fact because you still have them buying players. And then most of the players who are actually scoring the goals are from the under 19s and the rest. So like you said, Chulo has uh, a lot of headache selecting who play at right centre back because um, we all know um, how Barca loves to play, Xavi's love for it. And then um, having someone who can cover ground will be key, but at the same time, having someone who can also enable Aleti to bypass Barca's uncoordinated press, which we are going to talk about later, will also be key. So, 
Kelf, uh, moving on, um, Alvaro Morata has been very, very good form this season, but his last three games have in reality has not been the best. And it seems like he's a striker when on confidence, he's basically one of the best in the world. But now when he loses that confidence, like all players do, he kind of take longer to kind of um, have back that confidence, like um, a friend of ours, Ali said. So, like I posted on my page, um, Morata, Morata basically was overperforming and that was actually kind of good because it shows that he was actually, like you say, form of his life and it's true that when you overperform, he's kind of hard to sustain that level. But now he's having better college chances than he had at the start of the season and we are seeing him missing them. You have the Villera game where he missed a couple of chances. Same for the Feyenoord game, same for the Mallorca game and it's actually worried and I was actually praying that um, during the international break he can get a goal or two because that will actually boost for his confidence so Kelf as Cholo said um, Morata he just a couple of games he has not scored so we should not maybe look much into it but do you think we should be worried or it's just maybe his little patch where he's kind of low on confidence and then maybe he will be back soon we'll have to see I mean certainly hope so as you said he's had a fantastic start to the season playing at the best level we've probably um, seen him at. But as you said, he's missed a few very good opportunities and, uh, you know, chances that he should have scored and, and he will know that. It's probably maybe a little too early to, to tell. Hopefully he'll get a goal tomorrow or if not in the next few games. And then then the confidence he had four or five weeks ago can, can return. But he, but the good thing is, is that, as I said, his general play is is has been very good. Maybe not the greatest on the ball lately, but in terms of his hard work, his pressing, making those runs um, in behind. I know, I know, um, he gets he's offside a lot, but the fact that he's he's still doing the right things, he's still making those runs for the benefit of the team, especially for for Griezmann and and Correa when they play means that even if the goals aren't there, he's still contributing, he's still helping the team, which is which is so important, particularly nowadays, and, and for a coach like like Chardo. So I wouldn't be massively worried at, at, at the moment, but I understand the concerns because, you know, he's the type of striker that's maybe never had, could never quite had this level of, of form. And, and as you said, I think it's three or four games without a goal, but we'll just have to see. And, and hopefully that, uh, hopefully he'll, he'll, uh, get a goal and if you get crosses into the box and crosses that he can attack with his head he'll definitely score because he's one of the, he's one of the best headers of, of of the ball not just in La Liga but um in Europe and the world yes um Kelf um, like you rightly said um like you rightly said Kelf um Morata is basically a striker who need confidence and like you said one of the best headers of the ball and that was very visible in the Madrid derby where he scored two brilliant headers. And I think if he can repeat that against Barcelona, then we have that confidence back and then we can see the Morata we have been seeing for the last month or so. So, Kelf, um, moving on, we have to talk about Black. And in, in the game against Villarreal, um, he kind of made a mistake which almost led to a goal. And then after that, he kind of panicked and he went long throughout the first half of that game, which was kind of really, really bad because... Um, Aletia spread out to like Biola from the back and then when he goes long and then um, Aletia were not great not winning the second balls. Sorry, it was against Mallorca. 
when he went long, Aliti were no good at winning the second ball because Aliti were spread out in their three, three, two, five shape, where which they used to build up from the back. So when the balls are lost and the players are high, you kind of have a lot of distance for Koki to cover. And we all know Koki is not very good at covering those distances. So, but despite that, I think his distribution has improved. And do you think against Barcelona we'll see a mix of that distribution because? In the title winning season, some of the goals we scored came from him being able to pick out Trippier on the right on the right wing where he's a little bit higher up the pitch and then Trippier can then pick out the run of Lorente, which all of us um, La Liga watchers and Aliti fans know of the connection Lorente had with Trippier. So do you think his short stop, sorry, his distribution, not just his touch, short stopping, will be key for the game against uh, Barca? Yes, uh, absolutely, as it is for nearly distribution is a, is a key aspect now for every goalkeeper in, in every game. Uh, you said that, there, that there'll probably be a mixture, which I, I, I agree. I think there'll be times where our black will play short. There'll be times that, you know, maybe if he can pick out either Molina on, on the right or, or Lino to, to the left, probably more Molina on, on the right. But but then he does have the option if, if Morata plays. Of, of of looking for Morata occasionally as well. But as you said, it's I, th- I think the, the more that you guys can, can play out from the back, because Barca in their high press haven't been as haven't really been great, so I think you will get opportunities to play through it, particularly with your with with Old Black, your back three with with, with Koke obviously um supporting that. So we'll just have to see, but it, of course it will be key. It will be key. It will be as key for whoever the Barca keeper is, whether it's De Stegen or or Inaki Pena. So, uh, but it, yeah, it will be very, very key. And and as you said, completely all black has has improved a lot in this because he's been asked to to do it more. He's clearly been worked on in in training the more short passes. As you said, there's still a couple of other moments when it doesn't quite work and Old Black kind of forgets and just goes back to the, as you said, just goes back to just kicking it along all the time. But but there has to be that mixture and I think there will be a mixture on, on Sunday. And we'll just have to see which, hopefully there'll be there'll be one solution out of the three I've mentioned that Atleti find the strongest way to get through Barcelona and then you guys can, can have a fair bit of the ball. It won't be easy, but you guys can have a fair bit of the ball and and control the game that way because Barcelona, um, as we all know, are, aren't used to uh, not having the ball. So if, if you guys can, particularly at the start of the game, if you can start well, keep it, move it around at, at the right tempo, then um, then you'll, you'll frustrate not just the Barca side, but you'll frustrate their fans and and then you can then take that platform to then grow into the game. Yeah, girl, if I think, uh, like you really said, Oblak's distribution will be key and having a mixture of maybe the long balls and then playing short will be basically key. And um, girl, if, uh, talking about Barca, like you mentioned, um, starting early will be also key for Aleti. Because um, if you recall, Barca's last three games, they have kind of had a slow start where they have considered a goal inside the first 15 minutes. And like we were talking about... Um, they, they are that about that particular start of conceding early goals. Um, and as we are both lovers of La Liga TV, where you have um, a start which was basically shown there, we're talking about the fact that 
if games ended in the first half, then Barcelona are 13th in the list, and which shows how slow they start games. And I think Aleti are one of the teams that start very fast. We can recall how things went for Aleti in the derby. So I think Cholo will be hoping for something similar to in this game. Um, but adding um, so not adding sort of injury, adding sort of injury. Um, Apart from starting slow, Barcelona pretty they pretty much struggle when it comes to winning second balls. And I think having Morata, like you said, that's something Aliti can make maybe use to the advantage. Where long balls are pinned to him, like Aliti used against City in the preseason when City high press Aliti, and then he kinds of win the headers and then second balls, and then Aliti can launch attacks from that. That is something um, we can look forward to. So Kelvin Barcelona have really been struggling this season, and last season they actually were very very good because Xavi kind of found that balance between the offense and the defense and you had them playing um, the four the midfield box with Busquets, Frankie de Jong, Pedri and then um, Gavi. And you have a ball winner like Gavi and then you also have another ball winner in Busquets and then Frankie de Jong can also do the work required to both join the attack and come back defense. So you had a kind of solidity that Barcelona had because it was like Xavi had found the perfect formula for Barcelona at the moment. But now you have the departures of some key players like um, Busquets, Alba, players who played with Xavi and also know what it means to play for Barcelona and also how Barcelona plays. You have that rotation. But now I think this season, especially without Frankie and Pedro, we have seen a, a more static Barca. What do you think is the problem for Barca despite the fact that they have had a lot of injury crisis this season? I think one of the key things, as you've mentioned, is that they start games too too slowly. And yes, I know a lot of the teams that play, particularly the possession possession game that that um, that are patient with it as well. Um, they want to have a lot of touches on the ball early. They want to play at, at at their tempo, but you have to find the balance because otherwise, you can have a lot of the ball, but then you're not causing any problems for the opposition. They're just they're, they're either dropping off in a in a mid block and just saying that then you guys can have can have the ball. There's a as you said with De Jong and Pedri not not being there. Uh, some of you know they found it difficult to play from the middle. I think there's been a a lack of movement as well. Not many, they, they haven't got many people that really like to run in behind. So oppositions can play. Uh, quite a, a high line against them, and 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 be compact and condense the uh, the pitch. And, and the other thing is, as we were saying before recording, that Barca have had like spells of playing well, like a fifteen minute spell here, a twenty minute spell here, but it's not been um, it's not been consistent enough. The point you made about the first halves for them just shows that, and uh, I think maybe Chavi's also changed their lineup a bit too much. I know he's been forced into it a little bit with injuries, but you have situations of Cancelo playing right back, then midweek he's then playing um, left back, and and, and then you, you then have Araujo at, at right back because he's trying to keep Kunde happy, even though Kunde's, in my opinion, not playing that well at the moment. But as you said, De Jong and Pedri returning to give them a bit more of what we're used to seeing in their midfield will be crucial, especially for for a game like this, but even though De Jong and Pedri have been back now for two or three games, they're still um, getting up to speed. They're still, um, you know, gaining in, in, in the sharpness that, 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 that they need, especially 
players like them, you know, they don't just rely on fitness. They rely on 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 sharpness and 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 on them, you know, to be able to make those quick decisions. Those the ball into maybe maybe De Jong and he just plays that little quick one round the corner for Petri, and then Barca can 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 progress. But it'll be interesting to see how how Xavi sets up because. He's not because of injuries. He's not been really able, as I said, to to really pick a a settled side. Even though he probably needs to start finding one. And as I said, it'll be interesting to see how he combats. As you said last year, he had that box midfield. This year, it's been been more of a of a, of the four three three that we normally see. But they don't really have that that Busquets role, that holding midfielder role. I think they hoped Aurelio Romeo could do it, but he's not. You know, they've not been able to find, as you said, the key word is balance, and it's something that Atleti have, and Barca are still searching for it. Well, Kev, um, like you've rightly said, um, Barca are searching for the balance. So, do you think um, Barca's tactical woes are maybe on Xavi or they are on the players? Because um, I think it's not a secret on Aliga Twitter that. Xavi is basically the opposite of the player he was. Because we all know Xavi as a player, actually the one that was very popular. He's the one who was calm, had that pause, but he still kind of lacked the pause because you have a lot of vertical play and then his love for width and um, like um, Kai, which is um, on Twitter known as uh, El Jogo de Position, he rightly said uh, Barcelona or Xavi has to move past Dembele because the way they play, they rely on that... Um, winger who can kill you when you kind of press them high in space like Dembele used to do but at the moment they don't have that in their squad so they have to kind of move away from that because you have the likes of Lami Lami Yamal and um, Rafinha who are basically different players so do you think it's kind of Xavi's fault I know injuries have kind of played him but do you think he's kind of let's say I know Barcelona is top four in La Liga but we all know pushing Barcelona is not easy the expectations are higher than maybe any other club in the world apart from maybe Real Madrid, but do you think he is at fault for Barcelona's struggles because they have been really, really woeful in majority of the games they have played this season, especially the game against Real Sociedad. They do not even deserve to even have a point in that game. Yeah, I totally agree about the, the point regarding Barca against Real Sociedad. Um, Xavi has to take his, his part of the blame. Of course he does. Um, whether he's completely to blame or not, I uh, I don't know. Um, I think because of Barca's financial situations, I mean, Xavi's caught in a bit of a crossroads because, as you said, he wants to play a very specific way. We all remember, as you said, Xavi, the player, he had that pause. Everything was kind of happening in his brain. And, and it was like when he was playing, it was like he knew not just what was going to happen, but when it was going to happen. He just had this timing, this understanding of... Uh, of knowing right or when to keep it short, when to play it into the space for the winger, whether it, back then whether it would be Pedro, Alexis, or or David Vieira or whoever to get onto. And I think he's just caught caught between that in terms of what he wants uh, to do, and maybe he doesn't quite have the players for it, even though they've brought in a lot of quality and he's had a strong say, I think, in the players that have come in over the last uh, couple of years. So, of course, I have to have to, have to take, of course, Xavi has to take his part of the blame, but so do the players. You know, these are quality players that have 
that have not been at that their level. I mentioned Kunde earlier. Um, I know they've had like uh, De Jong's been out for a while. Pedri's been out for a little while. They've lost Gavi, who's a an absolutely critical loss, especially in terms of in terms of the way Barca can can, can press you. Gavi's one of the best at that. So he's going to be, particularly for the game tomorrow, Gavi will be a, a major loss for them. But it's very difficult to say, you know, who's to blame. I don't think it's one individual. I think the club have to take their responsibility um, because, you know, they've, 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 they've bought in, even though they've bought in really top good players, do all, <coughs> excuse me, do all of them fit the way Barca play? Maybe, maybe not. And and Xavi, you know, last year he found the balance and won games. But as you said, the pressure at Barcelona to win games 1-0 is, is not good enough. You have to play in a very certain way and you have to do that and win. It's, it's not easy, but Xavi will know that better than anyone. And I just think that in Xavi's mind, he just has to get results because of the financial situation. He just has to, he just has to find a way of, of winning games. He did that last season, but... You know, they've lost Busquets, they've lost um, Jordi Alba, they've got a Lewandowski who's ageing and maybe isn't quite the complete striker that Xavi would, would like. And you've got a situation where two of their key players are he's only got for this season because they're only on loan and there's no guarantee they'll be back at Barca, at Barca next season. So everyone at the club, players, Xavi... And even the people above him have, have, all, have to all take their, their chunk of the responsibility for, even though they've won the Liga, but the performances haven't, haven't been great. They weren't incredible last season, but they were better. And then now for a fact that, um, you know, the performances haven't been great, but at least in the Champions League this year, that they've qualified for the next round as, uh, as you guys have. Well, um, Kev, like, I think you have kind of hit the bullseye with your response because, like you said, he's partly to blame. And then we cannot also forget the fact that he lose some of the key players in how he wants to play in Dembele, in Busquets, and also in Alba. So he would not just lose players on the field, but he also lose players in the dressing room, players who he can transmit his message onto the others through them while on the pitch. So it's not been easy. I think maybe he's going to throw a rough patch. And time will tell because, to be honest, their performances are really, really sh- shaky for the squad they have. It's true, some of the players are new and it takes time to gel. But like we have, right, like we have rightly said, at Barca, there's a lot of pressure of attaining results, but not just winning games, but winning in a particular type of way. So, Kelfam, moving on, it was really, really bad news. I think everyone in La Liga was kind of really annoyed with Gavi's injury because he is not your typical La Masia. What do you expect from a typical La Masia product? Because when you talk about La Masa, you think about flair, you think about technique, you think about a little bit of elegance. We are not saying Gavi doesn't have that, but he's more of a warrior. You kind of see, let me say, Puyo in him. You have that fighting ability. And he's now out, I think, for many months, six months or plus, which is very, very sad because he's one of the favorite players I love, love to watch. I don't just like players like Pedro who are technically very good. It's true, he's not as technically brilliant as Pedri, but he's also very, very good. And in times where they, they did not have Frankie De Jong, he actually played as at the base and actually dictated the game from there, which was actually showed that he's very good. Let's not forget, Pedri, sorry, Gavi is still very young and he's still involved. So we don't know what he'll involve into. Hopefully the injury doesn't affect him and we wish him a speedy recovery. So, Kelf, um, coming to the point of Gavi, 
he put on uh, one of the best man-marking performance I've seen for the in a long while since Andy Herrera for Mourinho against Chelsea, which Andy Herrera was man-marking Hazard. So, and we know coming to Aleti, Griezmann is kind of like the one who kind of orchestrate things, make things happen, especially in attack. And we have seen that when teams have tried to shut him out, like in the case against Valencia, even though there are moments where he's able to produce moments of brilliance like he did for the past for Rikiomi against Las Palmas. But now, Barca missing Gavi. I think um, it's actually a very, very big blow for how they will play off the ball because look for somebody who can do what he did to Bellingham and maybe also do the same for Griezmann will not be easy. So how do you think Gavi's miss kind of affects Barcelona? Well, <coughs> excuse me. I said earlier that it, it, it was a massive loss and it's, it, it goes exactly to all the points you just mentioned for the fact that he's not your typical Lamassia product. You know, you know that, that's Pedri, even though they, they brought Pedri from, from Las Palmas. It's just that Gavi's just that warrior and, it, and it's a natural thing as well. You know, it's, it's just what Gavi is. It's just he, he runs everywhere, he chases everything. I think, as we hear on La Liga TV from, from some of the pundits, um, you know, a lot of the time Xavi gets frustrated with Gavi because Gavi's not where he wants him to be, even though Gavi's like, I'm, I'm helping the team, I'm closing down the right back or I'm, I'm, I'm closing down uh one of the main centre backs or as you said he's doing a more deeper role in and a man marking role so in, in terms of off the ball he is the biggest loss that Barca could have uh because of what he gives you the energy the quality uh as I said earlier that you know he's still he is still a little bit rash because of his age you know there's there's still um there's too many yellow cards there's too many um unnecessary uh, fouls but as he gets older he'll understand more and more that that there's some occasions where you don't need to to make the foul you just need to to put the player under pressure and 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 force him into uh, force them into a mistake but Gavi's Gavi's loss is going to be so big and I think it's something that Athletic can take advantage of in that midfield in that midfield battle on, on Sunday as you said, we all wish Gavi a speedy recovery. He's an incredible player. He's not just going to be a big loss for, for Barcelona. There's every chance he won't play in the Euro, so he'll be a massive loss for Spain as well because he's started, I think, nearly all of the games that Luis de la Fuente has, has managed. Yeah, Kelf, um, hopefully um, he comes back and hopefully the injury does not affect him like he did for Ans- Ansu Fati and then we see maybe a different type of Gavi. And I know... Recovering is not easy. Like Pedri said this weekend, he's still adapting to the rhythm of La Liga. There are certain things he can't do at the moment, but he's feeling just great to be back, which is something um, we hope for Gavi when he will return. So, Kelfer, moving on from Gavi and we are going to Pedri. And we, uh, we just mentioned the fact that um, Xavi's teams are too vertical. They are kind of rock and roll. Uh, but now you have a guy like Pedri who has been missing for a large part of this, this season due to injury, but now he's finally back. And... If you watch some Barcelona game, Barcelona games, especially in the game against Sociedad, where I think he was actually the main reason why they won that game because things were going too fast and he was kind of annoyed. So he kind of took upon it like himself, upon himself, sorry, he took everything into his hands. Yes, I believe that's a better English, excuse me. I'm French, so he kind of took everything into his hands and then um, he kind of slowed the game down, tried to make Barcelona to even have control for the five minutes in which they conjured the goal, they constructed the goal. So it was. 
actually nice for Barcelona fans seeing Pedri back because he offers something that I think nobody in the squad have because you have Gundogan, his biggest strength is basically crashing into the box. What Bellingham does, late runs. You have Frankie, basically carries, moving over the piece. But now you have Pedri, a very versatile player who can perform a lot of roles. He can carry, he can has the eye for the last pass. Um, he can take on any role you give to him in midfield. And if you can recall the defeat um, so at the Wanda Metropolitano last season where um, Atletico had... Um, I think um, Savish and Gavi, sorry, Ferran Torres into a fight and then they had suspension where Barcelona won 1-0. He was actually the reason why Barcelona had a very brilliant first 25 minutes in which um, he kind of controlled the game, not rush. He knew when to rush the game and when not to because of the power he has. And then he also did a great job defensively shutting down Atleti straight from the right where it means um, Lorente was kind of silent because they had an overload on that side with um, Kunde and now um, with Kunde, then you also had Busquets and then now Pedri against Molina and, and Lorente. So he having him back is a big boost, but we are yet to know if he's back 100%. Like he said, he may not be back 100%. So what do you think is actually the benefit of having uh, Frankie De Jong and Pedri back? Because like I mentioned, De Jong is actually very key. Or like you also mentioned, key in their central pro- progression. And you know that's something Barcelona struggle a lot to do this season. Well, uh, as you said, it's, it's, it's crucial for them. Um, for, for all the points you just mentioned about both of them, you know, the pals of that that Pedri has, the knowing when to do pretty much everything. As you said, his passing, his ball carrying, you know, he knows when to, to play lots of short passes, but then he also knows, all right, the switch of play is on to whoever's on, let's say he's on the left and the switch of play is on to uh, Lamine Yamal or, or whoever's going to be on, on, on the right side, he, he just knows instinctively when to when to have it. It's probably been the one thing that Xavi's been really, really wanting in this period of, as you said, of them being too vertical and then in kind of not really having, it seems like not having a, a, a clear plan on the ball. We all know there is one because of the type of coach Xavi is, but it, it doesn't always show on the pitch but having having Pedri and 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 Frankie does make it does make it better Barca are a much better team with those two in it for the reasons as you said they're both very good on on, on the ball as you said Frankie's more better as in that ball carrier role that that we saw him do more of when when Kuma was in charge and they were playing the free and the back three and he was in the middle and he got the license to to get the ball and, and drive into space and, and commit players and, and get people to take him on and then, you know, release it to a Pedri or or release it himself because De Jong at times does have that, that final pass ability because uh, he's very, very good on the ball. But but the one thing that Athletic could take advantage of is, is the fact that even though De Jong and Pedri are back, as Pedri said himself, you know, he's still fighting the rhythm, he's still getting up to speed. De Jong will be exactly the same as well. But uh, yeah, they're, they're two fantastic players to to watch. They're two players that Xavi's probably been, that Xavi's, Xavi, sorry, is really delighted to have back, particularly for a, for, for the top game on on Sunday because he knows he needs his best players. And he won't ha- he won't have um, Gavi, but De Jong and Pedri they're going to be two of the midfield three, probably alongside Ilkay Gundogan, unless Xavi has something else in his mind that he wants to do specifically because of the fact that he's playing that he's playing you guys but 
De Jong and Pedri are, are two of the best midfielders in the world. So any coach at Barcelona is going to be delighted that that they're available and and back in the side to hopefully, um, as you as you said with Pedri, you know, calm everything down, get the control because they haven't had control for for a while in their games. But the one player who can provide it is Pedri. Yeah, like you have rightly said. Uh... As an Arsenal fan, I'm hoping that they will not be at the best, or they don't, they will not find the rhythm they are looking for against us. And one thing I'm also suspecting is the fact that with the absence of Gavi, you kind of lose that physicality and aggressiveness that uh, Barca will have in the middle of the pitch. And like we were discussing before, we started recording uh, the game. I think will be won in the middle of the pitch. And I think for aggressiveness, I think at the moment Arity has the upper hand because majority of the midfielders have been available for a while. And why that of Barcelona are just coming and they are missing their see their most aggressive and also the highest midfielder they have that won a lot of duels. So uh, moving on, Kev, talking about um, the Joas and Lewandowski's former, because uh, it's as if um, Xavi, maybe at the start of the season or maybe into the season after three games, he realized that the defensive solidity they which allowed them to win the league last season, they are not going to have this season. So he's kind of gone for all offensive with the Joas because um, he has, like you mentioned before, he has used Cancelo in numerous roles left back right back left winger right winger left wing back a lot of roles and it seems um Cancelo's best performance came um, against Porto where he scored a very beautiful goal coming in from the left so you will be curious to see where he plays Cancelo because it will be actually key and like you said this is the game where if they don't have that stability then I think Atleti kills them on the counter you have the pace of Lino you have that of Griezmann and like La Liga systems always says it's like Griezmann can pull off a pass from any angle 360. He pulls off any pass, and that was very visible in majority of the counters against um, Feyenoord. He's actually amazing. So it's like having those joueurs. It's like Xavi has accepted that maybe we go all your club like football where we outscore the opponent, and actually they have the firepower to do that. But Lewandowski is really out of form. Joao Felix have been struggling, and the joueurs really they have had very very good games, and they have also had very very bad games, and Maybe do you think they are the cause of maybe Barca's instability, or do you think this is the solution that will best fit Barca throughout the season? Um, possibly it's the solution that fits them best throughout the season. I don't know if the Jaws have have necessarily caused the un- instability. They maybe have. I'm I'm not sure. Um, but as you said, Lewandowski is is not in the greatest greatest form. As I said earlier, he's not the kind of the normal number nine that Barca are having, the one that's, you know, aggressive at the top end of the pitch and, and pressing a lot. That's not Lewandowski's game. It was it was the perfect uh game of of um, Luis Suarez when he was there and, and for a little bit of his time with with uh, with you guys. Uh but yeah I think for the fact that you said Zhao uh, Cancelo has been has been moved on, on both sides. He he looked really good midweek on that left side, so it'll be interesting to see if he does play, where does Chavi play him? Does Chavi move him back to the right? Does Chavi keep him on the left? Balde has been a bit inconsistent, so that might tempt Chavi to play Cancelo on the left again and maybe have one of Araujo or, or, or Kunde at uh, at right back. And then you've got, you know, Jao Felix, who's, as you said, has been a bit inconsistent himself. When he's been good, he's been very, very good. And when he's when he's not been at his level, he's he struggled a bit, which is exactly what we probably saw from his spell 
um, at, uh, at Atleti. So, yeah, it's interesting to see how how Xavi's going to use them, not just now, but for the remainder of of the season. As you said, he's kind of gone with, with the Klopp kind of... Um, with the car, as you said, he obviously doesn't trust the defence, so he's obviously gone the other way and gone right. We just have to keep attacking and hope we outscore the the opposition that we play. Um, so we just have to see what 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 happens. Um, but yeah, Lewandowski, going back to him quickly, yeah, he's he struggled a bit for various different reasons. Uh, I think there's a combination of. Um, his movement hasn't been great, but when he has had great movement, his teammates are not picking him and are not finding him. And I think he's finding that really frustrating, but he's still a quality finisher. If, if he gets quality chances, he's normally very good at taking them. So we'll just have to see how, how Barca set up, because I think we all know roughly probably nine or 10 of the Aleti players that are going to play on Sunday. The real interesting factor is, what lineup Chavi goes with, because it, as I said earlier, it's been it's been changing a lot, maybe too much, even though some of that's conditioned by by injuries. And it's interesting to see what what the idea is from Chavi, and if he can make it, and if he can uh, make it work on Sunday. Hopefully, for you guys, uh, he won't be able to. Yeah, Kev. Hopefully, and like you said, um, Lewandowski may actually be a a player which Atleti can use to their advantage, especially when Barcelona tries to press because their press is really, really poor. But well, with the intelligence of Pedri, yep. with the intelligence of Pedri, well, things might change. Who knows? So, Kelvin, okay, moving on to the last part of the podcast where we are going to be talking about um, the expected lineups. Like you said, for that of Atleti, it's fairly easy to predict, but that of Barca is quite of tough, especially with the number of players coming back from injury and also Barcelona in a little bit of crisis at the moment in terms of inconsistency in games. I think um, it is very difficult to actually dominate games throughout the 90, but the best teams do that for majority of the game. That's large part, but Barcelona at the moment, they are not doing that. And it was actually quite funny because Barcelona had a very, very bad first half against Rayo, and then you have Xavi saying, uh, we were actually dominating the first half, and I was like, for real, mate? What's happening? <laughs> I was like, God, sorry. I was like, God, what are you saying? Are you sure? Are you sure we watch the same game? I know he is more tactically advanced than me, but I'm sure even the commentators were surprised by his comment. So, Kelvin, we are going to be starting with um, Barcelona, and at the moment, it's unsure if Testegen will be available or not. So, who do you think starting goal for Barca? Testegen or Inaki Pena? <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I don't think there should be. Uh, from what I've seen in, in the games with Inaki Pena, he played quite well midweek, so there shouldn't be any need to rush to Stegen, but. I get the feeling because of the fact that he's playing new guys in a really, really big game. I think Stegen will will start in goal. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. So, do you think um, Xavi goes for a back four or a back three? So, we are going out to the defenders because we can see a back four, which occasionally when they have the ball, turns into a back three. Because I'm thinking Araujo doesn't play centrally this game and he starts on the right so that he can basically keep Lino in check, which is a source of alities. Um, which is a source of Alexis' route to go. I mean, sorry, many chances. So, what do you think? Who do you think are the defenders who are going to start? Because at the moment, it also seems Christensen has fallen out of favor behind Migo Martinez. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a, a big one because of his. Of his I mean, I, I would play Araujo and Cancelo fullbacks. Araujo on the right, Cancelo on the left. For the point that you've mentioned, for the fact that Araujo can keep an eye on them. Um, 
on um, on Lino and for the fact that Balde has been a bit inconsistent and for the fact that Cancelo looked really good there. I would actually drop... I would, sorry, I would drop Kunde and I would play Christensen and Martinez as the two centre-backs. Wow. That was interesting. For me, for me, Kunde's not been at his level. For me, he's not been anywhere near it. Um, I, think, yeah, I, think, I think he's still a little bit annoyed that for the majority of last season, even though he actually played quite well there, that he had to play right back. He keeps... He keeps repeating it in interviews. You know, I'm not a right back. I'm a centre back. I'm a centre back. But you're not. When we're not seeing the Jules Kunde that we saw in Sevilla, that was one of the best defenders in Europe. We've not. We've not seen. We didn't see that towards the end of last season when Xavi gave him his centre back role back, and we've not seen it at all this season. So, and for the fact that Christensen has been, I know there's been rumours that he's maybe had a little bit of a of a knock recently or or whatever. But for the fact that Christensen's never let Barca down when he's played. And since coming into the team, Inigo Martinez has probably been one the, the next best defender alongside Araujo. So um, I don't think Xavi will do that. But if you're asking me what I would do, I would play Christensen and Martinez and I'll tell Kunde that he's on the bench. Well, um, I think it's fair criticism towards Xavi throughout the season has been maybe his unwillingness to actually bench stars like Lewandowski and even the likes of Kunde when they are not performing. so. We are going to be watching out for that. And like you said, um, you start Christensen ahead of Kunde. Well, I think Kunde is fairly decent, even though, like you already mentioned, he's been below standard. And I would also say maybe it's because of his injury he had before. So um, I think I go for the same, but I think Kunde starts. And also, uh, you have um, Inigo Martinez. But I, I'm very, very sure Xavi will be worried because of what um, how Samu bullied Kunde and Morata may do the same. It's true, Morata is not a very, very physical forward. But Morata's runs in behind may be very tricky. And if Kunde can't handle that, then I think Xavi will actually have a very huge problem on his hands, which will actually be either sacrificing the threat from Lino or Rikelme on the left and then sending Araujo centrally like he did against Alaves. So, Kev, um, I think that's pretty settled and... I'm sure if Bardi doesn't start, then we will see him at some point. But I will not be surprised if Alex, if Bardi starts because of how good he is. And also maybe Xavi will be thinking of the pace he has to maybe attack the spaces by analysis fullbacks, which some of the teams in the Champions League have done this season. So, Kev, moving to the midfield, who do you think? Do you think he goes for a box with Romeo or he goes for a trio like you mentioned earlier? I think he'll go for the trio. I think it will be uh, De Jong a little bit deeper. Um, in the in the Pavotti role, Gundogan to the right, Pedri to the left. Fair enough. Um, I'm actually skeptical because, um, like I mentioned, they in that midfield too, it's true you have a lot of technicality, and they showed it against Porto when they kind of played in close proximity, and then they, this switch kind of led to a shot on target for Joao Felix. But against Aleti, they lose that aggressiveness in the middle of the park, and like I said at the beginning of the show, Cholo is a no nonsense coach when it comes to shutting down spaces centrally and which obviously implies that it will be hard for the likes of Frankie de Jong, Pedri to and also Gundogan to find those spaces but those, like you said those are three of the best midfielders in the world so it wouldn't be surprising if they can but I think uh, Xavi will be very very worried because having those three and also the threat Aleti poses in transition may make him to actually start um, Romeo and I'm saying so because Aleti will not actually press high but the issue is that I think a lot of dilemmas. He will also be worried for the fact that Aliti are very good at reacting to pressing triggers and we all know Remo is no busquet, so a lot of things can happen. So I think maybe he might not go for the trio out of maybe being more pragmatic and then you have um, Romeo coming in. 
but I don't know for who because it's actually tough. It shows the quality FC Barcelona has. So, Kelfer, moving on to the attack, um, like you have said, so your formation is basically now a 1-4-3, so you obviously a front three. So, do you think um, he starts Lewandowski or he starts Ferran Torres? Uh, I think he'll start Lewandowski. Um, <laughs> I think Lewandowski will play from the middle and I think Shell uh, Felix will play to the left and Lamine Yamal to the right. Oh, that's great. Well, it seems um, not much change from the team who played in midweek, so... I think maybe that actually those starting playing in midweek to gather some game time together may be actually key for them. So, Kev, like we have said, the game will be won in the midfield, but I believe that um, Aleti are actually going to shut down the midfield and give them spaces out wide. Do you think Barcelona have enough in the lineup you just mentioned to take advantage of those spaces out wide? Uh, they have the talent, no doubt about it. It's just whether that's... Uh... It's just whether that they that they can find them early enough. It, it, it's whether for the fact that, you know, particularly Yamal, because uh, Lino, who's who's been fantastic this season, but he's not necessarily defensive minded. He's he's a winger who'll want to attack. So if if Barca can exploit that, not that there'll be many chances to do that because Lino works really hard. He gets back really really well. But that 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 could be the key if they can get. Lamine Yamal running at Hamoso when he has to 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 go a bit wider and 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 fill in for him. That could be the way through for Barca. But as we know, because of but but that's the thing we don't because of Barca's inconsistency, we don't kind of know what Barca we're going to get tomorrow on on Sunday. It, you know, we've not seen them play really well. I mean, their their best performance. Probably the whole season has probably been the Classico, where but again they only played that well for about an hour. So we'll just have to see what they happen. I think it's very possible, as you said, that he could play a box midfield with uh, you've got Odo Romeo, possibly uh, Fermin Lopez is another one that he could use if he wanted an extra midfielder. But then you have the dilemma that you just mentioned of which one of the front three comes out. So, but that's going to be the real interesting thing to see to see what Xavi does. I know we've had a bit of a guess on what, on what he could do. And I don't think we're going to be too far wrong when, when, uh, when about an hour or so before kickoff on Sunday and the, and the team news comes out. So we'll just have to see, but uh, it, it's no matter what lineup he chooses, it, it's going to be a very interesting game. No matter, no matter what selection Xavi goes with. Yeah. Kerfum, I agree with you. And the reason I was talking about the box and, was because of actually having that numerical superiority which um he had last season when playing the box midfield and Aleti are playing if five three two so he can actually have that but let's go to uh, Aleti's uh, lineup and then we can actually talk about how maybe Aleti can counteract some of the things Barcelona can pose so I think we can all agree the back the um black in goal mm-hmm. and then um for the back three I think we you and I can agree we have Witzel at the right center back Jimenez central and then we have um, Himuso on the left side. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. Yeah, then for the win backs, do you think he goes for Rikelme or Lino, or do you think he goes for Molina or Lorente? Uh, Mina, uh, sorry, uh, Molina and Lino. Oh, I see. So you are actually saying he goes for those guys because technically uh, Molina is actually basically a right back, which means he's obviously better than Rente in that part and also can do a very solid job defensively. Same for Lino, who is better defensively than Rikelme. And um, going now to um, the midfield, I think we all agree Koki starts and maybe De Paul. Do you think he goes for Saul and then you have De Paul on the right or he goes for Laurenti and De Paul's place on the left? That's probably the other 
big choice he's got to make. I personally, I, I would play DePaul because you know, that, uh, that there's a bit more control there on 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 the ball and and to give Koke a bit of help in that. I think there could be space to, for the counter attack, so I would go Yorente. Well, um, I was actually thinking of for me, he goes for Saul instead, where he tried to utilize the Saul, of course, the Saul's partnership. Um, Saul had in the Madrid derby with Lino, where you have that on the lap, which actually Saul did very well against Mallorca, but his crosses were very bad. So that's what I'm actually thinking about because I think Araujo will be isolated a lot against Lino, and then if you have someone who can actually offer support to Araujo with Saul's runs, and then I think you kind of Araujo has a dilemma, and then Xavi maybe has something to think about. And I think we all will agree that um, if Laurent, if Laurenti starts, then actually that's actually something I will be looking forward to because if Cancelo actually is the left back, you, we all know what is going to happen. Laurenti obviously is going to be targeting those spaces, that those spaces behind Cancelo, and we all know Cancelo is a culprit when it comes to defending. And even though Inigo Martinez has been actually good, but against Laurenti, which actually very swift and also very fast, it will not be easy. No, and, uh, and and there's also there's also another option for the fact that he could actually play Llorente and Saul next to Koke in there for, for both the points that you just mentioned for the fact that if Cancelo or Balde are, are the left back because they're going to be doing pretty similar things, they're both going to want to get forward. That Llorente can use can use his pace and his mobility to get in behind. He's so good at at, at making those runs in, into the spaces, and when he gets wide, he he'll then have the option of either getting crosses into the box for for the guys up front or laying it back with maybe Molina putting in crosses or just regaining the ball and, and finding Koke. So there might be a chance that um, that it's Llorente and Saul, but something tells me that DePaul will probably start, but we'll just have to see. But the quality in midfield you guys have is, is very, very good. I know you've got a couple of injuries which make it a bit you know, it, it does mean that there's probably four four positions maybe for three players. But uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what, what what Cholo does. But I don't think it's out of the question that Llorente and so will play. But something tells me that, that it's going to be Coque, DePaul plus one of them. But we'll just have to see. Yeah, for sure. I will not be surprised if DePaul actually starts so that can have more control. It's true. DePaul has been struggling. It's in the final third with his true balls. And like the red card he received against Celtic was actually from... A pass which was not very good, a high risk, high reward, but at the end it was not great. So, but with the ball and Koke, you have kind of more control with the ball, especially with Koke. So, Kelv, another thing, I'm just talking about how Aliti may be able to exploit um, Barcelona's fullbacks. Um, is there any chance you think Xavi kind of, kind of go Pep style, where you have um, Inigo as a left back, and then you have Kunde Christensen and Araujo, so that he he can maybe give more license to the midfielders and the attackers to actually cause a lot of havoc for Aliti? Um. I mean, in, in theory, it's it, it's possible. We've not seen him do that or even try it in any of the other games. So I, I personally wouldn't expect it. But of course, when you've got the quality of players that you've just mentioned there, any sort of tactical setup we discuss is possible one way or the other. Um, do I think he'll play Inigo at left back yeah. and do what you've mentioned? I don't think he will do that. But could he do it? He, absolutely. But... For the fact that we've not seen him try it in any other game for even five minutes, he's not even looked at it. Even though he's changed things a lot, he's never done that. He's—I think he likes Inigo in that centre back because 
there's the balance of having a right footer and a left footer in terms of playing out from the back. It's it's not just having all right footers across the, the, the back three or four. So it does mean that, you know, Inigo, when, when he's receiving the ball, can can go onto his natural foot. And then he's been very good, particularly this season, at, at those switches of play. So the ball goes into him and it and it, and, he, and he switches the play to to whoever's on the right, whether it be uh, Lamine Yamal or Varane or Rafinha, whoever um, he chooses, to, whoever Xavi at that point was choosing to play, to go with. So, um, of course, he could do that, but um, I don't think he will. I think Cancelo or Balde will be left back. Um, I've got the feeling it'll be Cancelo, but as you said earlier, it could easily, easily be Balde. Yeah, fair enough. The reason why I was actually mentioning that is because uh, you have Griezmann and on yes, him saying that... Uh, he was asked the question, what is the biggest difference between Antoine at Barca and Antoine at Atlantic? And he kind of thought for a moment and he said, um, the biggest difference is actually having the freedom and also having the freedom to look for where the team needs me most or where I can cause the most damage and then I apply myself there. And that's what he said. So I'm thinking um, if Barca goes for a midfield three, then obviously we know Griezmann obviously becomes the fourth midfielder and Atlantic have his superiority. And then you know Griezmann between the lines is very, very dangerous. Like Celtic found out in the, at Celtic Park. So that's why I was thinking of him going for maybe a, a ball back for with centre backs, and then you have Christensen, and I think he tried that with Eric Garcia, where Christensen is actually the one who pushes up into midfield, and then you have a back three. But like you said, it will be very experimental, and at the game against Aleti with a lot of sticks, because if Barcelona lose, it's three points behind a title rival, and also Aleti has a game in hand, which could basically turn to, into six, and also you have a lot of pressure which should come his way, because that would be. A lot of experiments so i think we agree um the two forward to be morata and um and griezmann and so do you expect griezmann to maybe operate between the lines acting as a phone midfielder or he's as we know unpredictable and just like he said solve the game like he did against fernand where he was a plus one on the left hand side because fernand actually attacking down that side knowing that it's the weakest side of aliti and then when aliti have when Aliti had superiority there, that's 4v3. And then when there's a turnover now, he can then launch counter-attack with Rikelmi and Morata. So where do you think the role he's going to have in this game or he's just going to be all over the pitch like he has always been throughout the season? I think um, uh, Antoine's going to do what, what what he does. He's, he's uh, I think, as he said himself, he, he has the freedom to see where he feels the team needs him and that's where he'll go. He'll, he'll probably be, be central as you said, in dropping in to help the midfield and to try and get on the ball. He'll probably, he'll probably do that early on. But then, you know, if he sees that Barca are doing very, very well in in a particular part, whether it's on one of the sides, then Anton will probably go, right, but we're struggling over there. Then I, I need to head over there and, and provide extra um, extra help to whoever that might be. But, you know, Anton's at Antoine. you just got to let him go where, where he wants because... The quality he has, the the timing of of uh, of everything that he does, whether it's tracking back and winning the ball back, whether it's receiving the ball, turning, he can dribble, he can shoot, he can head, he can pass. If he's if he is wider, he 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 can cross the ball very very well. Antoine can do anything he wants to do. So, and and thankfully now that Cholo has found a system and and a style that keeps you guys solid defensively for the stats that you mentioned earlier, but also does allow Antoine to basically be like, wherever you want to go, you go. And 
And that and that's going to be the problem. That that's going to be the other thing that Xavi will have to solve because he knows that Griezmann's not going to be fixed in any particular point. So it's not a case of right. Um, I don't know. Let's say Inigo Martinez man marks him, for example. You know, you, you know that with Antoine, you, you can't do that because one minute he'll he'll be on the he'll be on on the complete opposite side, as you said, being closer to maybe Saul if he plays and Lino and and those guys, or or he'll be on the right helping out Llorente, Molina, um, De Paul if he's over there, de- depending on whatever Cholo goes with. So. You just got to let Griezmann be Griezmann. And if you let Griezmann be Griezmann and find him in the right spaces at the right times, you'll have every chance of not just winning at the weekend, you have, you have every chance of winning any game of football against any team in the world. Well, um, like you rightly said, let's let let Cholo, let's allow Griezmann to be Griezmann, the best player in La Liga, La Liga and one of the best players in the world. Well, um, Kelv, um, we have talked about our expected lineups and hopefully... Um, it's actually a very good game of, of football and maybe one of the things Xavi can actually do with the staff, which we try to do what um, Valencia and Las Palmas did to staff um, Griezmann off the ball. But we know, Antoine, if he doesn't seize the ball, what happens? He drops deep and he hates progression and then you have the wingers come to play because when he drops deep, he actually pulls one of the centre-backs with him and then we know Antoine and how brilliant he is. He's basically a tactical genius in solving games on his own. I'm just surprised he does not want to be a coach when he retires, but actually wants to be a sport agent. So, ah, uh, success. We am sorry, we wish him the best when he retires, which hopefully I hope it's not anytime soon because he's like fine wine. So, Kelf, um, coming to the end, um, I think uh, we have, I have some questions for you, and I'm sure as a La Liga fan, you answer it pretty well. So, the first of the two questions is, um, uh, what's your favorite El Super Duelo? That's what's your favorite game between Aliti and Barca? Blimey. Um, probably because of the significance, I would have to say it's <laughs> it's the draw at the Camp Nou where you guys win La Liga. Because growing up, as, as a, I'm just talking as a La Liga fan, you know, in my lifetime, growing up watching Spanish football, as, I did, as I've done every weekend from a very young age, for a lot of that time, you guys were a, a good side, but you weren't competitive at, at the top part of the league. And then, because we all know the year before, you won the Copper and... And then throughout that that season, you improved, improved, improved. And you, you go to the Camp Nou only needing a draw, but then you go one nil down. And as I said earlier, that the header from from uh, Diego Godin to, to give you guys the, the La Liga title was, was a really good goal. And, and it proved to the whole world back then, as people have seen for the last 10 years, that La Liga is way more than, than just... You know the, the the top two, which is what the criticism was, particularly in in England, where I've grown up from. That was always the case. Now it isn't. Anyone can can see that it, it isn't. So yeah, I, I would say that my favourite uh, El Super Duelo is is the uh, the Camp Nou, the game the game at the Camp Nou in the twenty thirteen fourteen season on the final day. Oh, that's great! I think most Aliti fans have that game memory and. I, as a fan, have kind of watched the game over and over. And I see, thank God, that there was no VAR there because you have Sanchez go with your true But that's another story for another day. And as for me, uh, my favorite Super Duelo, I think, is not a secret. It's actually the game which made me become an Aleti fan in 2009 where Aleti faced Barca de Vicente Calderon. And that time was actually very nice because you had the likes of Forlan, Aguero, and Aguero making Puyo chase shadows. It was kind of nice because the atmosphere at the Calderon really 
caught my attention and that led to me being where I am today as a cochonero. So, Kelvin, the next question, which I guess is maybe tough. Can you list uh, 10 players who have played for both Aleti and Barca in La Liga who have represented both clubs? Right. Griezmann, Memphis, Shao Felix, Aguero, Mine's gone blank. Uh, there's definitely more. There's definitely more. Come on. Did Luis Garcia play for Atleti? Yeah. He did? Yup. The former Liverpool midfielder, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he played for you guys, didn't he? Yeah, he played for Atleti. He played for Atleti and, and, he definitely yeah. was at, and he was definitely at Barca, so that's five. Who else in the current? Is anyone else in the current squad? I don't think so. I said Memphis, didn't I? Yeah, you I said Luis. You said sorry, Griezmann, Memphis, Luis Garcia, Felix, and uh, Memphis. Yeah, I said those five. Right. There's definitely more. I'm just just trying to think of them. Uh, the Valencia legend. Oh, of course. From that 2013-14 game, David Villa, six. Um, yeah. David Villa, of course. The, the Turkish hothead. <laughs> Arda Turan. Yeah. Every, every time you say that, all I think about is him throwing the boot at the referee. The boot. <laughs> Which is unfair on him, because uh, particularly for you guys, he was such an incredible player. Oh, that move to Barca killed everything. I think it kind of broke my heart because I kind of actually loved him. And when he left, actually, we kind of struggled to replace his creativity, what he offered to the team. So it was actually a big loss. And also for both parties, because his career went down here ever since they moved to Barca. Oh, Luis Suarez. Um, oh, the easiest one. Yes. So that's, I think, seven or eight. So is there a couple more? Man City. Man City legend. Oh, uh, Aguero. Yup. Hmm. And I think you have a player who, a Portuguese player who was at the start of Cholos, Cholosimo. Brilliant midfielder. Technical, very technical and very good on the ball as an attacking midfielder. Portuguese. Ah, uh, what? Name started S. What's his name? Oh, I can see his face as well. What's his name? You're going to have to tell me my mind's gone blank. You have Simao. Simao, that's it. Yes, Simao, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I... And then... Uh, I think the others maybe uh, you don't know because you have um, Ben Schuster. Who was oh, of course. For both Barca and... <laughs> of course, Ben Schuster. I well, not... see him on La Liga TV. Oh, my God. How did I not get Ben Schuster? You're diff- it's not bad, Kelv. Seven on ten, at least you defended your La Liga colors. <laughs> can't believe I didn't get. I didn't, can't believe I didn't get him. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, but it shows that the quality of of both clubs really for the fact that in those recent years, particularly, I said before, I said to you before recording that I knew the vast majority would be attacking players. So uh, yeah. I got that bit right. But yeah, it was it was so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, it just shows how how how. Uh, how good both sides have been for the fact that, that you guys have had players 
go between you and you know in the case of you know Antoine went there and and, and thankfully for you guys he's he's uh, he's back at Atleti now and and as you said being just one of yeah. the best players not just in La Liga in the world and uh, and for the fact that we get to enjoy him every week in in La Liga is just is just fantastic. Yeah, for sure, Gareth. And like you already said, most of them are attackers. And it also shows how Aliti has had the upper hand over Barcelona because if you look at some of the transfer fees and some of the performances of the players when they move to Aliti, especially in recent seasons, you kind of see that Barcelona are kind of, let's not say, but like a kind of, let's say, what Santi wants to Liverpool, so something of that sort. <laughs> okay, Gareth, um, it's finally the end. And I think one last question, I'm sorry for putting you on the front. Mario Suarez said on ESPN that he's. I'm hoping Aliti wins, but his his um, predictions are two two, and majority of the pundits there predicted the same. So, what will be your score prediction for the game? Uh, Barca one, Atleti two. Oh, best win in eighteen games, in Barcelona. Looking I mean, forward. I mean, to... I mean so if, Kelfer... if I'm correct, Charles never won as Atleti manager away at Barcelona, has he? I think he has never won at Barcelona in La, in La Liga. Liga. Right? Oh yeah, because I think you might have done it in the in, yeah, in, in the Champions League. There's a Champions League. At some league. point, that record. I, I think at, it won at some zero. point that record has got to go, whether it's tomorrow or whether yeah. it's in future it's it's now. And I and and uh, and I, and this is no disrespect to Barca. Uh, this is the best chance you're going to have. Yeah, this for is sure. The best chance you're going to for sure, I can't deny that. But Xavi showed that he can come up with the tactical masterclass like he did in the Classico. So it's not gonna be, it's not going to be an easy game. So, Kelvin, um, we are at the end, and it's always a pleasure talking to you. And this one hour we have spoken has really, really been great covering uh, two of the best sites in La Liga history and also two of the biggest sites in La Liga. So, thank you for coming on to the podcast and giving your opinion both on Aleti and Barca. I'm saying thanks because your opinions are unbiased, and as an Aleti fan, you know. Mine will obviously be unbiased, but biased towards Aliti. Yeah, thank you so much. It's uh, it's always a, a joy to to be on the podcast with with you. Your your knowledge, your detail is is incredible. Every, every time I I do something like I do this with with you, I I learn something. Your your knowledge of not just Atleti but of of La Liga as a whole as well. Of course, you're a bit biased towards Atleti, but. Uh, you know, for the fact that I've watched Atleti more and more because of doing this, and uh, you know, the respect for you guys as a club is is fantastic, and 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 also it helps now for the fact that you guys are playing really good football now. So it, it so it's for the fact that I can watch Atleti most weeks, if not every week, and and enjoy what I'm watching, and I'm definitely going to enjoy uh, the game on Sunday, and and hopefully my prediction is correct, and and you guys get all three points. Hopefully, Kev. So, Kev, um, you know my offer for you to be a coach is on the table, so I hope you are still thinking about it. <laughs> I, I definitely am. I definitely am. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm hoping your your friend who is a coach and she can, uh, you know, help us out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Kev, um, looking forward to, um, to future episodes with you. Likewise, thank you very much. Um, so, Colchoneros, um, remember, Nunca de Hadi Cree, never stop believing, and see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>